Hi, I'm Hallie, and I'm here to welcome you to The Odd Life, that's spelled A-W-E-D, which stands for Awake, Well, and Empowered. You see, I feel that women who are living odd have such important stories that need to be heard so they can inspire us to find our own oddness. I want this to be a space where you come to laugh, cry, feel inspired, and most of all, feel more connected to yourself and the women in this odd life community. I'll be talking with women who are practitioners, authors, experts, entrepreneurs, creatives, coaches, philanthropists, and so many more, as well as doing solo casts to bring you what you need when you need it. No matter where you are on your journey in this life, why not go through it odd AF? Again, I'm your host, Hallie, and this is the Odd Life Podcast. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Odd Life Podcast. How are we? What is going on? I hope you're well. Uh, buckle up for a fantastic conversation if I do say so myself. I love this girl. Uh, she is a dear friend. Her name is Katie Denowden. She's the individual that I give a lot of credit to for honestly changing my life. I know I did a lot of the work, obviously, but she was the inspiration. And I mentioned her workshop in the very first episode and Katie's the one that was the coach for that workshop. She is a freedom and joy junkie. And so her coaching program is really about helping other women find freedom and joy in their own lives. And man, did she change mine. I love everything about her. She's such a light in my life. And I think you're going to understand that when you hear her speak, she is unlike anybody I've ever met. Uh, I mean, she lives what she says. I mean, talking about freedom and joy junkie, this girl does not do social media. She is uh, very tuned into who she is, what lights her up. There's a lot of things that you're going to find very inspiring about how she lives her life. And I just can't wait for you to, to listen to what she has to say. She has coaching programs. She leads masterminds, one-on-one coaching, a lot of things you can hear at the very end. But uh, right now she's a new mama, so she's kind of put things on hold so she can be fully present in that role. But I think she'll be getting ramped up here soon on some new things. So hope you follow her, follow her and pay attention to what she's got going on because she's just, she's awesome. Just love her. And I hope that you, and hope you get a lot of the conversation from today. And without further delay, here's Katie Denowden. Well, again, thank you for being here. I'm just so excited to see your face. Uh, I know that no one else can see it, but I just, I love, I love being able to see you. Uh, I uh, already gave your, you know, your intro. I, I already put that out there. So everyone kind of knows a little bit of how you and I met, but I want to have people uh, understand a little bit who you are from your words. Um, give us kind of a quick bio hmm. of who you are, what you do. Who is KDO? Who I am, what I do. Oh, women <laughs> trying to put us in a one sentence box. Um, uh-huh. I am entrepreneur. I am a freedom coach, um, business mentor. I am a new mama, um, friend, wife, daughter, all those kind of things. But technically in this role, if I had to put a label on it, I would probably say I'm a freedom coach and business mentor. At the heart mm-hmm. of it though, like I'm a freedom and joy junkie like that. Yeah. I get lit up by it. And I really believe like my purpose is I'm here for the women who are not willing to leave a life half lived Mm -hmm. and to really tap into their desires and their potential and their limits and to get out there and just 
soak in that juice of life and give yeah. their gifts in the world. So, but obviously you didn't get there. Um, when you were, you know, this is something you were born with necessarily. I mean, there's things obviously innate within you, but life hasn't always been this way for you. So I want to go back to the before picture of Katie. Like what was life like for you growing up and kind of lead us through some things that maybe have gotten you to the point where, you know, you're, you're, you know, the, the, the crossroads of your before and after. For me, what's interesting, it's an interesting blend from when I was growing up because um, my parents got divorced when I was young and that isn't that rare. Uh, but what was interesting or what really started to shape, I think a lot of what I experienced was from a very young age, we're talking like six, seven, eight years old, because my mom had multiple sclerosis with that, the level of personal responsibility is just a little kid. Everything from like doing my own laundry to making my lunches, to making sure I had like food at home to cleaning all of those different pieces were something that was unique and rare and kind of shaping who I was growing into be. Mm -hmm. um, fast forward, you know, junior high, high school, started taking on more responsibility of like my mom's finances and kind of just, I was kind of like a mini adult, but like still had the kid side of like school and sports and friends. And like, I was popular. I had good grades. Like there is a lot of beautiful, fun things. Like when I look back on my childhood, I don't look at it and be like, oh, is this super tumultuous time of all this stuff. I'm like, no, I was like, I loved like certain parts in high school and all this, but the other pieces that were developing me of like resourcefulness and just more serious things than maybe my peers had at that time mm -hmm. really started to shape things for now, looking back what I can see as I got older. Yeah. Um, and so I had that piece that was kind of unique. And then when I was in college, we had gotten my mom set up by that point, she was still living on her own, but we had a lot of different systems in place for her to be able to continue. Um, she had MS, but also or still has MS, but also dementia. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was a, a slightly risky situation for her to stay there, but it's what she wanted. Um, but I was studying abroad and I got a phone call from my brother and um, it was a phone call that, like changed my life just because of how I reacted to it which we can mm -hmm. talk more about, but, mm -hmm. um, it was a phone call. My mom was in the hospital. She's in the ICU. She, the chance of her living was really small. I was like on the yeah. other side of the world. I was in New Zealand and I was like 19 years old. And it's that moment was just a forever flip of change in my life. Cause I had been kind of the parent or caretaker for my mom for a while. And from that moment, I started using things like food and achievement and other things to start to control, try to control my life because it sure. fell out of control. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, like it, a really downward spiral happened. Um, everything from an eating disorder to depression to, I had digestive issues before, but it exacerbated that. So a lot of different things just kind of flared up from the emotional response and trying to control from that piece. Mm -hmm. um, and so from there, I'll kind of speed up. Um, through that experience, I ended up actually not going back to college. I was living in Des Moines, taking care of my mom. It was unbelievably hard, but my dad had a conversation with me. This is another one of those impactful moments. And he's sure. like, Katie, you, you can't just stay. This isn't what you're meant to do with your life. You're made for more of this. You're not meant to just be the caretaker. Like your potential is so much more. He's like, what are you doing? And I call it like the velvet hammer moment. Yeah, <laughs> totally. He's like trying to be gentle, but at the same time, like, what the hell are you doing? 
and it was like, oh. And so I ended up applying for grad school. I moved to Colorado, got my mom set up in a different capacity. And that moment of like, wait a minute, you have a choice, a choice of how you respond, a choice of how you think about this, a choice of what you're going to do with your life from this and responding to it versus kind of reacting and staying in that downward spiral. Um, and then from that, that was kind of a big pivot mo moment, not necessarily, I like how you say like the before and after, but it was more so like, this is an impactful moment. And I realized that one single impact of like, I have a choice and carry that through for every single thing in my life forward mm -hmm. has helped me to make so many different decisions or so many pivot moments or even quitting different things because it's like, wait, I have a choice. Yep. Pivot. Here we go. Yep. And I think that shifted and changed a lot for me and changed or impacted so much of also what I teach and do in my business. Now, looking back, obviously hindsight 2020, right? Mm -hmm. But I think with the circumstances that I was in as a kid and adolescent, um, somehow I didn't, I wasn't aware of it, but there was a, some awareness of like, oh, I have a choice. Like this is what's happening at home. Mm -hmm. These are responsibilities I have. I'm not going to just be sad and upset about it. I'm still going to be in the sports and do this. And one thing that was interesting too is when I look back on it, like I was really good at getting like friends' parents to kind of adopt me in the sense of like taking care of me or giving me rides because like my mom would forget me from like practices, games, things like that. And I'd have to sure. find a way sure. to get picked up. I know yep. you can relate to some of this in some ways. Yep. Yep. Um, and so it's part of that being resourcefulness. And with that resourcefulness is the the somehow awareness of, oh, I can just choose to do it this way. I'm going to choose to have fun. I'm going to choose to go out with my friends. And I have this other serious thing at the same time, but they can coexist. And so when I had that <clears throat> defining moment, we'll call it that, with my mom in the hospital, um, the and then the conversation with my dad, it was the kind of just the reinforcement of here's another situation and I'm going to point it out to you of like, use those skills and awareness of how are you going to live with this and still make an amazing, beautiful life? They can coexist together. There mm -hmm. can be challenges and hardships and pain and responsibility and joy and fun and beauty and all these other things that can coexist at the same time. Yeah. And so with those, it became, and I ended up choosing the language of um, live by design instead of default, because the default would be, and that's where I started to live with the default when my mom first was in the hospital, because I was sure. reacting to it. And the default of um, kind of the weight of being a caretaker and like the seriousness and the sadness and just like going through the motions and using other things, whether it's food or achievement or things to feel yes in control, but also um, using them to almost like numb out and feel relief instead of restoring myself, realigning myself and getting myself back in my life. Sure. And so the design piece then became, oh, if I'm not going to default and I have a choice, how am I now going to design and live my life? And so an example of that, like in that instance is, okay, this is, this, this is the facts of where the scenario is for my mom right now. How am I going to design my thoughts around it. So one of the examples that I've given before is I would say a lot of times, like, I have to go do this for my mom. Mm -hmm. I have to go do this. And there was one, one story I told her I was taking her, get her, her hair done. And it takes like, 
or did three to four hours because we'd have to get her in and out of the wheelchair to the bathroom. She's not fully aware with what's going on. And I was like, oh my God, I have to be here. And it was an instant moment. I was like, wait a minute, I get to be here. I get to witness this with my mom and support her and caretake her. And so it's like those mindset shifts that change the entire way you experience a moment. You Mm -hmm. experience your emotions, your body, everything. And that's how you experience your life. And then the design piece of like, okay, this is something I'm choosing to do. Now I want to also choose this. How do these live together? How can I design my time, my week, my thoughts, all these things around it to still support and stay in alignment, but not, not saying, oh, I'm just not going to do these responsibilities, but changing yeah. the whole way I engage with them. Exactly. Because I think that's what a lot of like, as a mom, for example, now that you know this too, is that there's a lot of things you're not in control of, right? Um, you had a plan, no longer the plan. Uh, it's because something else happened, have to run and get a kid that's sick at school, whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, looking at, I get to go pick up, like you, know, like you said, I get to go pick up my kid from school. I get to have him home. I'm only X amount of time. I, I'm able to. And being a mom that was a stay-home mom, I could look at that differently. Like, oh, you know, my day and now it's ruined because I've got to go pick him up. Whereas I get to go get him. That's part of why I'm home is so I can take care of my children. And so I can look at that a completely different way. And I think it's such a healthy way to see that as how can I foster a healthier mindset. And that's where um, I feel like your program for sure, and we're going to get into this in a little bit is, is her program, but um, just learning to talk differently to yourself and the words that we use. And that is part of a lot of my awakeness that I got when I started this as uh, my awareness of the words I was using, how I spoke to myself. That is such a huge skill to have is to get that ability just to speak to yourself with, with love and and, you know, a little little tough love as well. I'd say when I was a kid, I think I did it naturally a lot. And one of the reasons was, I call it with my mom, it was benign neglect in the <laughs> sense that I kind of parented myself. And sure. I, I do want to give my mom some, some credit. She was amazingly, like, so loving. She never, like, projected onto us of, like, who we had to be or, like, having to show up a certain way. She was always, like, so encouraging of, like, yeah. I remember even in high school, if it was like a dance or something, she's like, you look hot. You look so good. Like there was never any like negative piece. And I think with that benign neglect, because of all the other things I kind of took care of myself though, there wasn't those external voices. There was a lot of just positive. And so what was funny is I was with a friend the other day and something happened and she's like, I'm such an idiot. And I, I do this for a living. I've done this for a decade of listening to what people say and the language they use and how we limit ourselves. But in that moment, I was like a light bulb and like, oh, if that was me in that situation, I was said, ooh, oopsies, I made a mistake. I made a mistake versus the identifying with I'm an idiot. Yeah. And I think a lot of that language developed as a kid. And then um, when I kind of went in that downward spiral, I did have a lot of that negative self-talk, which was new and foreign to me because that's not how I operated as a kid. Sure, and sure. it was noticing the contrast between those two and coming out of it. Yes. With like the, all the training I've done, all that, but just the experience of like, wait a minute, that's not me. That's not how I operate. Mm-hmm. How do I bring myself out of it and re rewire and shift these, these thoughts and this language 
to, I don't want to say get back to how I was with that, but to operate in a way that brings the beauty into it and the empowerment in it, if that makes sense. Totally. So you get, so I'm guessing this too is where you get to back to grad school. You're in Colorado Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. You're studying educational psychology. So tell me about how this then projects you. Like, I kind of feel like this is another mile marker for you um, or a you know base camp or whatever you want to say to the next part of your life. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit what happened at that point and then moving forward from there. Yeah. So what's interesting is I actually went to grad school to be a school psychologist, which is okay. actually a doctorate program. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I probably just chose a program I was kind of interested in, but I was like, I got to get out of here and I got to do something. And so I started it. I did two and a half years of it. And um, I think this concept is really important. That's why I'm going into it more is Mm -hmm. I started doing the internship and I was like, whoa, I don't like the way this feels. I don't like how my days are playing out. I don't feel purposeful. I'm not excited to go do it. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but not this. Sure. And most people, because I only had, I think, six months left of the program and I'd have my doctorate in it. And most people would just finish it and be like, I'll just do this. This is what I've paid for, signed up for, put in all this time. And for me, it was like, nope, not this. And it was another pivot moment of, okay, how can I, I have a choice. How can I rework this? What can I do differently? And so I ended up being able to um, use the credits I had for that, put it towards a master's in educational psychology. I graduated way more credits than I needed for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at the end of that, I was working at a college. I was working at CU um, using part of my degree, but I was in it and I started getting bored and I was working with a boss and he, I had a conversation with him. This is another like impactful moment. He's like, you'll make a great department assistant someday. And I was like, Oh hell no. I was like, I want to be like the president of the college. Like the, the limit that you're setting for me is so small. I was like, I want to be working with and for people who dream so much bigger for me than I do myself. Absolutely. And I put my notice in, I think three days later, I was like, nope. And, um, I guess I had also done integrative nutrition while I was in grad school. And I was like, okay, it's like, I'm going to start my business and I don't know what's going to happen, but we're just going to go with it. And I'm just going to trust. And this lights me up and here we go. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was going to say is that, um, there's other part that comes into your life, this nutrition piece, obviously you started caring about wellness. I think growing up, I think I've heard you talk about this before is where growing up, you were like, you know, feeding yourself. So God knows what uh, a seven, eight year old, (laughs) right. Is feeding herself. Right. I know what I fed myself when I was home alone, you know? So what, what changed for you? Like when, I mean, obviously you had your eating disorder and all the things you used to get you through your mom's situation. Was that the moment where you started to care about health and obviously got you to maybe the nutrition piece? Tell me a little bit about that side, the physical side of, yeah, of totally. feeling better. Uh, oh yeah. I grew up on like jello cups, Snickers bars. I mean, for like a full meal, like yeah. blueberry muffin mix, not even baked, just eating spoonfuls of the powder mix. That's, nice. that's what we're talking about here. Um, no, I had a ton of digestive issues, but I was in sports and I was just like, oh, it's just, I didn't think much of it other than it was an inconvenience for digestive stuff. Sure. Um, and then when my mom's stuff happened and the emotional piece exacerbated all of it, my digestion got so bad. Um, and so it was once I made that choice, I moved to Colorado. I was like, I started to kind of dabble and I started in like, like the 
health things that we think yeah. they are. So it was yeah. like, I don't know, grape nut cereal or I'm trying to think sure. all the different things. Like the frozen meals, like lean cuisine, because that's what has yeah. been marketed as like healthy. Yeah. And um, I still wasn't getting any results from it. And so I started just researching and I don't know, just kind of exploring what's out there. And that's when I'd be like, oh, more real foods, this kind of stuff. And I started with a a raw food cleanse, which I don't necessarily recommend now, but it was kind of my kickstart. But what it helped me do is like for 30 days, I took out all the processed crap and I felt so good. And with that, I was like, wait a minute, I can feel this good all the time. Uh Everything from my sleep to how awake I was. I was waking up at like 6am, which if you know me, well, now with a newborn, I am waking up that time (laughs) before I was not an early riser. And that was a, it was an experience of like, oh, it can be different. And that really launched into so much. And I ended up one day Googling like 10 words of like what I was interested in to try and figure out my path for life. And it brought me to Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And I signed up right then not knowing anything of what I would do with it. And that exposed me to so many different approaches, theories, but ways to really tap into my body, learn from it, and then go from there. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. I love when, um, it's so funny. I had the same, when I was younger, like ate all the junk. I don't think I even drank water as a kid. I'm not kidding. It was like soda. We even had like the soda machine at home, like the soda stream. Like we had the dinosaur version of that, like the old school glass bottles, the whole deal. And I drank one time I'll never forget, I drank so many in a row that I made myself sick. Like, no, like <laughs> it was like a vending machine that never took quarters. I could just keep drinking the soda. Um, just stupid. Um, sugar like crazy. So I had the same digestive issues, like not, you know, crazy migraines, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I totally get that part of life growing up. I think a lot of kids um, when they're young at that time, we didn't have the knowledge and making that connection. And I always feel like it's something like, so it does a cleanse or you've all of a sudden, you know, you're forced to eat differently for some reason. I'm like, oh, it's like the light bulb goes on. So I completely relate to that story. Like, oh my gosh, this is how I get to feel. What was I? And the disconnect of just food and how our body feels is so amazing. How like how that's mm-hmm. not even addressed in schools, in any of any of our education. It mm-hmm. is not at all brought up. So that's another piece of why I loved your program. Uh, that I, when I joined it, it was like I, I could start to pay attention to a lot of things. I was doing some things, but I didn't realize how much more I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, with integrative nutrition, you start to develop a program. Now mm-hmm. you have this program, which I know it's changed a lot since the very beginning. So mm-hmm. tell us what it looked like when you first utilized INN. Like what you like? Where did you start? And then how has that progressed? Like because I feel like this live by design. It incorporates itself in a lot of different ways, your personal life as well as your career. But let's let's tackle the career part for a quick second um, and like where this took you from the beginning to where you are now. Yeah. So I started with IAN because of my health issues and I wanted to, to learn mm-hmm. and just see what's out there. And it, it excited me. It was something that lit me up. I call it like a little ping of sure. like, oh, I'm just going to follow this this crumb and see where it goes. And sure. um, with that, I started the, the warning sign or the physical manifestation was like my gateway. That's kind of how I talk about it of getting into this place of, of growth development, that stuff. And I started my work heavily based in food and health coaching, but the more I worked with women, and this was my journey as well, the more I worked with women 
and experienced my own life and I studied with experts, I realized how many other areas of life were keeping women stuck and held back. And it was just the food piece that was a manifestation of it and the Mm -hmm. health piece that was a manifestation of it. And the things that were frustrating women and keeping them in a cycle of constantly fixing themselves, um, everything from disliking their body to perfectionism, to workaholism, to career achievement, to people pleasing, to being controlled by food, um, even things like lack of sisterhood or community or lack of money, perceived lack. All of those were really warning signs and really just a beacon calling like myself home and these women home with this. I call it like the quick fix cycle of or the quick fix backtrack panic and repeat. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is how we like show up and do things. And I didn't want a band-aid for that warning sign of for myself or for all these other women. So I really started to bring in my psychology side. I don't know what I was thinking, to be honest. I was like focusing so much on like the health coaching and all this. And I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I've done like eight years of school (laughs) in psychology. Like, what am I doing? And I started bringing in so much of the mindset and the habits and how we operate and set ourselves up. And when I did that, women's not just their food and their body shifted, but their entire life and trajectory and the ripple effect out from them changing was so big that that's when I was like, it was like, a okay, yes, there is this food piece. We, yes, we need this knowledge, but if we can get to the root of this and bring women back home in alignment and have the tools for their lives, their thoughts, all these kind of stuff, like that can change anything, not just food. It's like the mm-hmm. foundational tools that you can apply to any area of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really I inserted in Skinny Dip Society, and then I've created different programs, experiences since that have taken it either to the next level or um, explored a different facet of it. Things come into our life when we need them, um, whether it's you hear a conversation and you hear it again, or you see a book a couple times on the shelf, or someone talks about a book, and next thing you're like, okay, I guess I got to read this book because I've heard about it three times in the last week, or this conversation. Yeah. Well, I happened to come across a blog post by a writer friend of mine. And she had talked about um, Katie's program. She had the cha- at the time Katie had a challenge, and uh, I was at that exact moment. I literally was like praying for something. So I felt so stuck. I felt so just, what in the hell am I doing? I'm, you know, I was I was a freelance writer, but I was grinding on this local stuff that just wasn't paying well, and I was being burned out. I was started to hate writing, which was not where I like. That's not who I was. And then. I wanted to just feel like purposeful and not feel like the same, the day was the same every day. And that is where I came across this blog post and there was this challenge. And so at the time it was a 21 day challenge and every day was, and I have to look back. It's so funny. Every day was a challenge to do something. I'll never forget. Katie was like, one of the days was I can't do something like out of the norm or whatever. And I literally put down, like, I think (laughs) I left the dishes in this in the sink and went right to bed. I didn't sit there and grind away at the kitchen before I went to bed. I, she's probably like, seriously, that's your like rebel side. I'm like, I, I have nothing, Katie. I'm like, I have nothing. This is all I can deal with. So I did the things I reply back. I'm sure she was like, seriously, lady, you need to get a life. Um, that's what you're there for. So I remember doing the challenge and it, everything was just like, oh, this is it. Like these are the things I needed to like do and try and make every day special, regardless of what it was. It, it was even as simple as like getting out the fine china and having lunch on a piece of china. Why is it sitting in a cabinet? Use it. 
I started drinking out of my wine goblets with ice water and lemon and just a lot of little things started to spark. And that's for me where it came from a little bit was just this, I can choose to do things differently. I don't have to do the same old thing. And so this program comes along and I'm like, I'm in doing it. Um, and I can attest to the fact that this, at that time it was called Skinny Dip Society. It's still, you've got like said, different levels of different things that you do, but Skinny Dip Society was such an eye opener to the awake part of my life. Like that for me was the catalyst of me becoming more awake of who I am, what I want in life and that I have choices. And I think that's such a huge piece for women, um, wives, mothers, daughters. There's a lot of times we live by obligation and we do things because they're expected of us and we don't know any other way. And God forbid we buck the system and say, nope, I'm not doing that. Or I'm doing it this way instead, because we're not supposed to have a lot of opinions. We're not supposed to have a lot of say in things or an equal partnership. It was just, you just did whatever and expect you to do. And God forbid you, you buck the system. It's your default. Um, yeah. Were you considered like a unicorn in your family for doing what you're doing? I mean, I don't know if you're growing up as like mine. I know that mine was like, if you did something out of the norm, I was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And you were looked at as like the pariah a little bit. Um, Depending who it was, it was either the black sheep or the unicorn, right? The black mm-hmm. sheep is like kind of disdain of like, I don't think you should do that. The unicorn is like, oh my gosh, I wish I could do that too. Sure. So depending, but yeah. And it's um, how I want, what you were describing though, is the perfect example of default, Mm-hmm. of we get stuck in this pattern, this this hamster wheel of just doing things how either they were modeled to us, how someone has told us we have to do it, either society, a person, a parent, a sibling, how things should be done. And we, without even knowing it, we just kind of accept it that this is how life is. Yeah. And it's that piece of like, wait, I have a choice. I can design this. I can do it differently. And it's it's a stop doing your life, stop doing your marriage, stop doing your business, stop doing your parenting, how you should, or just the way it's done and open up this whole, which can sometimes be scary, but open up this whole door of like, how do I want to do it? What matters to me? How do I thrive? What's an unconventional way for me to do it? That is truth for me that lights me up. And that is Mm -hmm. to design your life and do it that way. So it showed up for me again of a, something that shifted in my mind of like, oh, there's something else, a different way to do it. If we pay attention and watch other people and see or ask ourselves, how could I do this differently that I haven't even thought before? But there's this woman, she has a one and a half year old and she had decided she watched her mom single parent growing up and how exhausting it was. And so she decided when she had a baby, she's like, we will never be just one of us single parenting it alone for a large chunk of time or any. So they always have a caretaker or um, her and her partner together. And it was a light bulb moment for me. I was like, cause there are certain times I have a, a new baby and I was like, I should be able to do this. I should be able to go eight hours in a full day taking care and still be happy. And I was like, wait a minute, where is this programming coming from? Where's this default coming from? And had that conversation with my husband. I was like, Nope, I think max three hours of us being alone. And then either one person takes over or we do it together and we can shift. And that's how we start to design of like, nope, just because everybody else does it this way and says we should, and we should be able to handle it. And that's how it is. It's the freedom and choice to be like, uh-uh, I'm going to explore different and I'm going to do it differently. Yeah. That's awesome. That's huge. Especially in the very beginning, setting that tone for how you're going to parent, because that's something that, you know, I think I struggled a lot with when I was, you know, a, a new mom. I just, I felt like I lost myself. I lost all my hobbies because I was constantly with the kids. I didn't have time 
to do anything else. Um, whereas my husband was off, he had bowling league, volleyball league, softball league, you know, all these activities, um, plus being gone at work all day. And I was like, I am seriously with these children. I mean, I chose this, which was, I think also why I was a martyr for so long. I just was like, I, I chose this life, I guess I chose to stay home. So this is what I have to do. And that doesn't have to be that way. And I think now there's a lot of, um, different scenarios. People are working home, you know, working from home more. There's a lot more entrepreneurs and people doing different jobs. It's not typical, just eight to five. A lot of times people gone plug in in the office. So that's changed a lot, but, uh, I'm so happy that you guys have set that up, um, mm -hmm. from the very beginning and not that I expected anything different from, from you, but yeah, initially it's, you know, you're in, you know, new, new territory. Uh, mm -hmm. it's kind of got to figure it out how, how it all works. And I love that you're setting that, that boundary or that, set of guidelines in the very beginning. What's been the hardest thing for you right now, being a new mom, being, you know, previous life, you've, you've had your business, you had all this freedom. How has that changed for you? How are you, and this is kind of what I wanted to tackle too, is how are you approaching choices and living by design as a new mom? Yeah. So I think I'm the last of all of my friends who've had babies. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I've been able to watch a lot of them and get a lot of wisdom um, from women I really respect and how they've done it. And so I think that's helped. But I gave myself complete grace and buffer for the first like three to four months. Of, yeah. There was no pressure for me to to jump back in or have to do anything a certain way. And how I'm approaching it now, because he's now four, four and a half months is... Yep. And this is how I approach a lot of things in life. Um, it gives a lot of freedom is kind of beta testing, seeing, throwing stuff on the wall, see what sticks works for me and then getting rid of the rest. Um, yep. So beta testing, curiosity, trying things out, everything from how my husband and I are scheduling things to how much time I need for myself, that kind of stuff. And so I wouldn't say I've got it figured out, but it's like, sure. oh, not this, but this, and we're keeping sure. that in place. And it's like trying the next piece. And that's also what we do a lot in skinny dip in the society of like, I use the analogy of like, just take everything out of your backpack, put it on the table, see what's actually working for you and serving you and then get rid of the rest. Like we don't need to keep carrying out these habits, these roles, these beliefs that aren't actually supporting you. And so mm -hmm. I feel like that's, I've taken everything out or kind of had an empty backpack starting a few motherhood. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, yeah all right, what are, what's on the table? What am I going to do? Um, the biggest challenge is sleep and sure. not having a large chunk of time because before, I mean, I had, I had all the time, I had selfishly all the time in the world to ponder, to write, to create, to do whatever I wanted for two decades. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so now it's, I'm honing in a lot more. I thought I was focused before, but efficiency with my time of like even more, but um, also essentialism, which if you or others mm -hmm. haven't read the book, essentialism, um, that of like, okay, what are my, my two, three things max I'm focusing on in this season of life, knowing that I'm choosing that and being really happy with that of, okay, I'm focusing on getting back into my work and purpose, my baby and my family, and then self-care. And that's it. Everything outside of that comes secondary. And so I think that also helps because I'm not trying to do all this other stuff. I'm not trying to have a perfectly clean house. I'm not trying to do X, Y, and Z. I'm like, I'm really clear on like what matters to me most right now. Yeah. Love that. So you have this program that your initial program, the Skinny Dip Society that I joined, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. gosh, 
eight years ago now. Uh, it, that was at that time it was a 10 week program. It was a lead, it was a weekly kind of like we had weekly lessons. We'd, we'd uh, jump in on a Facebook group. We would do some live coaching here and there. Things have changed. Um, you've added more programs. You do other things. Tell us about how your business has morphed um, since Skinny Dip Society, since you've started that program. Yeah. So I think for me, how I approach business and what I teach and what I share is I learn it, I live it, and then I teach it, mm -hmm. which you're talking at the beginning of, you appreciate because I actually lived it. It wasn't some course or something I took and then I just regurgitated and it was like, do X, Y, and Z. Um, yep. And so the more I've lived and then once, you know, I, I started teaching Skinny Dip, I live all those principles. Like they're just ingrained innately or not innately naturally now in what I do, sure. then it's like, okay, what's my next level of potential and what, what do I either need to learn or experience or something to then expand and have fun and keep creating and growing. And so each evolution of that, it's like, oh, I have something new to share and teach that I think can help women make it more fun. Cause I feel like so much out there is so serious and heavy right now. Yeah. Make it more fun. Um, maybe shortcut it a bit and get actual results for women that are long lasting versus like that quick fix piece. And so I've tried a couple of different things. It's also how I approach work in the sense of like, I'm going to yeah. try this. It might work. It might not. It yeah. might get results for women, but I don't necessarily enjoy running it. And I'm okay with saying, nope, not for me and going on to the next thing. Sure. Um, so I've done a couple of different things, but really the biggest one I'd say since is another program I created called Magic Makers, yeah. which really dives into, uh, we touched on some of it within Skin Dip, but really dives into the mindset and our energy and how I say how we be in the world. And it taps into like all of those thoughts and limits and everything that we cap ourselves at and gives us multiple tools and really, uh, I call it a daily practice, but a way to continually rewire, release, let go and show up without limits and in stepping into our potential. Yeah. And that I would say is the, probably the biggest one sense. There's other yeah. things, but yeah. And you also do business coaching on the side, right? For women. Do you do one-on-one -on -one coaching or do you like a mastermind or what else do you do there? Uh, yeah, I do business coaching. I have a business um, program that was all about how to authentically launch. Um, and I still have that, but uh, I started doing one-on-one -on -one business coaching again. I took a break for a couple of years because things were going so fast um, about two, three years ago. And so yes. do business coaching one-on-one -on -one as well. Awesome. Uh, so tell us about the, the progression of, so I guess the purpose, I know that you wanted people to not have to go with, go through what you went through. Like, you know, it's our, or just the fact of how, whatever they're going through, how to help them out of it. Like you did. Um, where do you see KDO going? Like, where's the direction? Is there something you've got a vision? Like what's next for you? I want to, I guess I know you've seen the progression of your IIN, the Skinny Society, the, the coaching, the programs, things like that. Now that you're a mom, have, have things changed or what's, what's coming up next for you as far as alignment and what you see as um, the next step for you? I feel like I'm at a space where I actually teach in magic makers. It's a phrase mm -hmm. of happy. Thank you more, please. Sure. Of, really being in a state and soaking up the juiciness of 
what I've created thus far, what I'm getting to experience. I think a lot of times as women, we check off a box and we just go to the next thing and don't really get to soak in the magic. And so I am allowing myself to just be like everything of where I've created my life right now is just magical. Like it's just a state of awe. It's a state Mm -hmm. of gratitude. It's a state of how beautiful and wonderful life gets to be and getting to experience it. And so I'm not in a rush to say, I need to go on to the next thing. I need to go on to the next thing. It's really exploring, staying in that state and appreciating it and adding the next cherry on top of what that could be. I call it like the cherry on top. Like Sunday is so delicious and yummy and juicy. My life is. And it's like, okay, what's the next cherry on top versus I need a whole new Sunday. Yeah. And as I'm starting to explore it, the, the magic makers, I think will, I only did um, offer it to, to alum. So only alum from Skinny Dip have taken it. And yeah. now I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready to take it more to the public on a, a bigger scale, a bigger level, um, slightly actually different than even when you had gone through it. Yeah, yeah. But I think that will become at the same level of what Skinny Dip was and is of mm-hmm. how many women have gone through it and kind of the ripple effect of that. And I'm living it now, but what I see of what I'm living, I anticipate will probably become a mastermind for women of how to integrate, whether it's mamahood or things like that with the career, the business and achievement while still being able to be and do both. But for me, I need to live it and gather those pieces and experience and then offer it. And so I'm just, I'm in the, the living it. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. So, uh, I want to get to that piece you just mentioned about community and women and, and masterminds, things like that. How big has that been in your life of making an impact, having women surrounding you that are doing what you want to do? You mentioned this way back in the beginning of, of having people in your life that are living the way that you want to live. How, how big has that been for you? And, and tell us a little bit about the impact that's made in your life and your career. I feel like when I first started out in business, I was also semi in a new city, but there was, I mean, you're saying when you start a business, when I was doing, I mean, I was up till two, three in the morning, I was teaching myself HTML code. I was so immersed in what I was doing that I like, was like, I didn't have time necessarily. I thought in my head for like friendships and developing those pieces. And I still had like amazing friends from, you know, childhood and college and those that I connected with, but not necessarily the new ones and not necessarily friendships in the sphere of business or entrepreneurs in that capacity. And so not really people who could grasp my life and my business and what I was creating. And so Mm -hmm. I would say maybe year two or three of my business, it it started to get really lonely, probably around like year two, like it wasn't as fun there wasn't that fun fuel because there wasn't the friendship. There wasn't bouncing off ideas. There wasn't the text at 10 PM at night saying, Oh my gosh, my launch just totally crashed. And someone texting back and being like me too friend. And then you just laugh because it's life and business. And so it was about that time that I was like, not this, how can I do this differently? And that's, that was the norm. That is what I saw. Like people who are going to conferences, or programs I had been in, like that was just the state of where women were at. There wasn't a lot of community and friendship in that regard in mm-hmm. the business world. Mm-hmm. I was like, nope, I got to do something differently. So um, I actually reached out 
to random women that I just kind of admired or liked what they were doing or in some capacity and started making connections. And then I reached out and was like, would you want to be in a mastermind? And I had three other women who were like, hell yes, let's do this. And we were kind of in the same place of um, business growth, success. And I think that really helped too. But we ended up like traveling together, masterminding each other's businesses. And that was the first like real taste I got of women being invested in each other's lives and businesses. And that really shifted things for me because it became so much more supported, so much more fun, so less Mm -hmm. serious too. I mean, that's the fun part, but you don't take yourself so seriously when other people are experiencing it along the same as you. And that shifted a lot. And then as I started to get more time, then I started to intentionally, those relationships flourished just like some of my, my best girlfriends now, but um, then even women outside of it starting to really invest in those friendships and relationships outside. And for me now, that's crucial because without those relationships and fun and a lot of my friends, we have conversations that are very like ideation and exploration and that kind of stuff. I, I don't think I'd be able to, I don't want to say persevere because like, this is like the hardest thing, but I, I'd be like, okay, this, I, this might not be for me. I'm piecing out because it doesn't have that one factor of support. If that makes sure. sense. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And uh, I think that's where a lot of women struggle is they've got these dreams, they've got these ideas, but there's not the support system there to, to help, like you said, ideation, help bounce ideas off of what it, like you said, you'd reached out to women, you saw some people that were doing the things you wanted to do. And how do you recommend women finding this type of level of support, whether it's they're trying to either start a business or they just need some moms that are out there that are supportive and can help them through the tough, tough years, you know, whatever that this they're going through, whether it's a health crisis, something like that. How do you suggest going about finding your, your people? I know that's a big, big, topic or big, you know, overall question, but what were the things that worked for you? No, I love this question. And honestly, it might be one of the number one questions asked in skinny dip, especially in mm-hmm. the first couple of weeks. Cause we get towards yeah. relationships at the end. Yeah. Um, and I think it's cause so many women are looking for it. I first mm-hmm. want to state that and say, like people will follow on say Instagram or social media and be like, Oh my gosh, every other woman has this great group of friends and I don't have anyone what's wrong with me. But when you actually have conversations with women, majority of them don't, and they're looking for it. So I want to normalize it and be like, you're not alone in this first of all. Um, But the second piece is, and people want to kind of bypass this is you got to start with yourself in the sense of how you show up to a relationship and what you're trying to take from it. I'm using air quotes, take from it or get from it. That creates an entirely different relationship versus how you can just show up and encourage and be and support and experience life together. And I think when I made those friendships, you know, a couple of years, my business, I had, I had, I was in a really good place for myself of who I was and my worth and what I was bringing to the table. And so those relationships, we, we, we don't come together and complain. We don't come and say everything that's wrong with our life and woe is me or, or all this kind of stuff. We don't really talk about other people. We don't talk. Mm -hmm. There's a quote by Eleanor Roosevelt and I'm going to totally botch this, 
you can insert hopefully the, the good one, Hallie. <laughs> she's like, small minds discuss people, average minds discuss events, great minds discuss ideas. Yeah. And I think Love because that. I had done so much exploration and honesty with myself, how I was coming into a relationship created such a healthy, supportive non-competing and abundance mindset that I wasn't looking for them to fulfill a piece of me. It was us making an up-leveling together. And so I'd say that piece. And then the third Mm -hmm. piece is like, once you've, and that's ongoing, it's not like I have to get myself perfect before I can go find a friendship, but just acknowledging that piece of like, oh, how can I, how can I own that for myself? But then the third piece is like, just get out there and start messaging people, whether it's social media, whether it's in person, whether it's going up to someone in person. Um, I'm now living in a, I I mentioned those girls in my mastermind. Um, I had just sent out an email and that's how we connected. There wasn't this grand story of someone connecting us and it's being willing to be like someone telling me no or not responding isn't a reflection of my worth. It just might not be their best, best matchup. And so just, I say having courage, but also just um, detaching from the outcome in the sense yeah. of it doesn't have to result in a certain thing for it to mean or be X, Y, and Z. Um, and I mean, just a fun story. I'm in a, a, we moved to a different state. And so this summer we were like, oh, and we have a baby. So we're a different phase of life. And we're like, oh, like we're really, we're looking for new friends, this kind of thing. And my husband and I and my son were out to eat. And there's this other couple with a baby and mm-hmm they started, they got in their car and started pulling, we had chatted with them and they got in their car and started pull away. And my husband was like, Oh, we should have like given them our number or something like that. It's like, yeah, but would that be weird? And then the girl in the other car, she came up with a piece of paper. She goes, I don't know. This might be totally weird and creepy, but here's our names. If you ever want to like hang out and it's those pieces of like, just put your, and I had my business card out ready to give it to her. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like we were about to do the same thing. (laughs) And it's kind of like a pickup line of like when you're like, dating and stuff, but it's like, don't take yourself too seriously. Don't have it attached to your worth, but just get out there and start making those connections and let them evolve and invest in them, but invest in them from a whole place. And some will blossom and some won't, but those are the ones where they create the most beautiful, soulful friendships and relationships, but you have to put yourself out there. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, this is where I want to tap into this too, is when I'm done with this podcast and you're done listening to it and you're going to go to the show notes, you're going to go, okay, where can I find Katie? Katie does not do the social media. (laughs) Much to my chagrin, because I want to stalk her every single day and see baby pictures and all these things. She does not do social media. She does not do Facebook. She just does none of it, my friends. So you're going to go, okay, now you've given us Katie. What the hell, Hal? So um, <laughs> tell me, okay, because this is a, you're a phenomenon. This is the unicorn part of you that doesn't do social media. Tell us about the decision. Like, cause I think so many of us, you know, my generation, I'm the Gen X, um, you're a millennial. God knows Gen Z does it. Um, you're kind of that unicorn. And I think kind of maybe millennials in general aren't as social media crazy, but why? Like I, not, not in a weird way, but like what, brought you to that decision that I don't want to do social media. It's not how I want to market my business. That's not how I want to show up in the world and what that's done for you. Cause I think you, like you said, you're a unicorn in this situation and I, I completely applaud you. And I've actually found myself pulling away from some because I just, the toxicity and I just, the, the escape that it provides that I don't necessarily need. 
So I'm getting it. But at the same time, it's how I've actually found some wonderful people. So I have this really hard time letting go of it completely. But tell me about your intentional decision and why you don't engage in it. I think it's important to hear. So I think it kind of evolved just over time. It wasn't a hard stop one day, peace out, I'm done. Because I did use it kind of when I started. But when I started, I mean, it was over a decade ago. Like Facebook was still like a baby. And like you're posting pictures of your tacos or something. And (laughs) so as my business progressed and it like my business grew really fast and I actually used social media. I did the skinny dip society challenge on social media. Um, I did paid Facebook ads, but I went from, I think 3000 on my email list to almost 40,000 in like six months. Yeah. And it was a lot. It was a lot for me mentally to go from what I thought was this beautiful, small community, small. Yeah. Depend how you say it to, oh my gosh, there's so many people. And it kind of was like a little bit of a mind. I don't know mm-hmm. if I can say this mind fuckery. Um, sure. Absolutely. And I was like, <laughs> of how I can approach it. And so there was that piece, if I just being truthful with that. And as business was progressing, I found myself teaching other women how to live their lives, their best life and reach their potential. And mine became less and less because of what was distracting me and the noise that was coming in. And so I did make a very cognizant decision of, I'm not going to teach other women to live their lives fully at the expense of living my life fully. Sure. And so with that, I was like, here's what I'm going to focus on. And at the same time, I had women coming through these programs who were using social media. I don't think social media is good or bad. I mean, there's a lot of studies and data and things I could pull in of the effects of it, but I think anything, whether it's food, alcohol, Netflix, social media, it's what we do with it. And is it workable for our lives and supporting us? So I want to say that it's not good or bad if you're on it, but I had so many women come in who were numbing out with it, who it was impacting their quality of their life, impacting their relationships and just really their potential and what they could create that it was almost this dissonance of I'm going to tell them X, Y, and Z. And yet I'm going to go on these social media platforms where they're going to be like, I want to come engage with you, but this is this, the one thing right now that's causing me blocking me to create my life. And so it was kind of this dissonance of these things coming together. And it was like, I'm just going to pause. I'm going to pause. I posted, I don't know, once a year, (laughs) something like that for a bit. And, um, I, though I had built up my email list and for business, for those in business, high pressure is you need people to know, like, and trust you. And if you can create an avenue for people to experience you and you can show up in a way and give them something that benefits their life, however you do it is going to work. You don't have to do social media because that's just what is popular right now, or it's a should, or this kind of stuff. Like, if I have this desire and this purpose that's laid on my heart for anything and there is a way to do it that is aligned and isn't aligned, the aligned way is going to work. It just has to. That's what I believe yeah. and that's how it's worked. Um, and so the other piece I'll add with this because my husband and I were actually just talking about this for anybody who's in business is people always, I should say always, a lot of people think it's in the numbers. It's in the numbers of how many subscribers, of how many followers. 
and what they're pursuing is popularity over profit and purpose. And I'm not saying you can't have all three, but I got really clear of what were the two most important to me and how I could still grow and sustain a six-figure business without having to do the popularity piece with numbers that didn't actually equal the results that I was wanting, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. And all this is to say, I might show back up on social media and it might be in alignment and I might do it that way. And that's totally good and beautiful too. But yeah. that was where I was at and making that decision. Yeah. I've always been like super, let's say jealous, but just envious of the fact that you can live a life off of social media and be completely at peace with it. Whereas I think it's for me, it's, you know, um, I, like I said, I found some people that I love through social media, um, people, women that I would never have found otherwise. Um, but there are definitely moments where there's that obligation. And I see right now in social media with Instagram is not the Instagram it was when I first started out. And it's the whole, the reels are the important thing to do. And I'm like, I am not making a reel because it's going to hit the algorithm. I, I'm not going to be, I, I picture almost like it's the puppet. It's the, like, that's not in alignment with me. I will show up and be authentic to have a conversation or whatever, but I'm not going to do a flip and reel just because that's the direction you're pushing. And they say the other, it's, it's, um, oh, it's what everyone wants. No, it's what, it's the narrative you want to push. And I'm not going to go in there um, and do that. And so I've let go of growing my Instagram, uh, necessarily. I'd, I'd rather have quality people that I speak to. And my DMs, I have some amazing conversations, but I am also very envious that you don't feel any obligation whatsoever to show up and grow your business that way. My email list has a long way to go. So I, I don't have the other to, to fall back on. That's the that's the goal and we're working on it. Um, I just am in awe that you have zero, <laughs> zero social media right now. Tell me like, so your family driving you crazy about pictures of, of, of your son and like all these things, like, are they like dying? Cause you don't post anything. Like what's your communication with that? Like how does, cause I know a lot of my family lives other, every place else. And so friends, and we kind of keep tabs on each other through what we share mm-hmm. on social. Like, how do you keep up with that? Or how do you, or do you? So the one beautiful thing that's come from it is it's just text messages. So instead of feeling like I know someone and I know what's going on in their life, whether it's friend or family, there's my, my cousin, she lives in London and she has a a boy who's nine months older than mine. And so instead of, she doesn't really post on social media either. So it's actual conversations back and forth and not just me getting a short glimpse of her life. And so I feel like it's actually the relationships I've designated as, as important to me those have gotten more depth and more sustenance to them versus if we just watched each other on social media. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but no, all of it is done via text message and directly. And it might not be the most convenient or efficient, but the depth and quality of my life from it, I would say is, is better for it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, one thing I did, we didn't really talk, tap into this um, before, but before having your son and getting pregnant, you had a little bit of a, a health issue that I know personally, because we've talked about it. I want to talk about it a little bit just because I want women to understand what it looks like and the signs and how it affected you in a way, and then how you approached it. Um, I know this is completely a backtrack, but I think it's an important 
thing that's happening that women are not given really clear diagnoses on, understanding on, and how it impacts their health so much. So tell me a little bit about, this is prior to you moving, what was going on with you and how did you find out that you had an issue? Yeah. So I, I'm trying to think, I think it was 2018, 2019, around there. Um, business was booming, but I noticed my mind, I've had a pretty quick brain for most of my mm-hmm. life and <laughs> process things really fast. And um, creating content, things like that. And it was around that time that I was like, I, so many times I was telling my husband, I was like, I feel like my brain's really foggy. Like, I feel like I'm operating at that time. I was like, maybe at like half, half capacity. I was like, it's yeah. taken me longer to like, it was a, a lot of it was in like writing and like really to get cohesive, like thoughts coming together. And I was like, Oh, I was like, maybe I need more sleep. Maybe I'm just bored. Maybe like all these different things we tell ourselves of like, maybe it's just this. Mm-hmm. And then we got to a point where, um, it was still impacting. So I just took time off of work. I was like, maybe I'm burnt out all these stories we tell ourselves. And sure. then we decided we were ready to try for a baby. And yeah. I think we tried like one month and I was like, no, I was like, I feel so off. I was like, my hormones are off. So I ordered a hormone test and they were all over the place. And I live pretty healthy. Um, not, I'm not super like strict, all that kind of stuff, but I live pretty dang healthy. And so I was like, what in the world? This doesn't make sense. It doesn't match up with what my habits are. It doesn't make sense like with how I live. And I worked with a naturopath and for like six months, she was giving me all these different supplements. My face was breaking out all over. I mean, it was no, no results coming from it. I have to say that because if you're doing something and you're not seeing a shift or change, it's okay to question the professionals and go a different way and say, not this. And so finally I was like, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. This isn't helping. And we had stopped, paused on trying for that point. Cause I was like, I just want to get this back in balance so I can be, you know, healthy and solid for where we go and waited a little bit longer, still wasn't shifting. So I ended up finding a different functional, um, medicine doctor and they ran a bunch of tests and there were some things that were off and they hadn't tested for mold at that point. And the health coach who was working with him, she's like, I, she's like, I just have this feeling that you should maybe test for mold. And my other good friend, Nicole Jardim, she's a hormone mm-hmm. expert. She's mm-hmm. like, I think you should test for mold. And I was like, all right, let's test. And it yeah. was an afterthought. And yeah. we tested for mold toxicity and mine was off the chart. Really? Uh, I mean, they had like, if the visual is like green and then yellow and then red of yeah. where you can see where you're at, mine was off the red way to the end of the high wow. level of mold toxicity. And when I started learning about it and the symptoms, cause I didn't know anything about it. I, every yeah. single one, I was like, yep, 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 yep. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, it's was, it was a relief in the sense of like, oh, thank God there's an answer. Yeah. But I was like, this dramatically probably slowed down my business growth, delayed when we had a baby because I didn't know what to look for or even that it was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And mold yeah. toxicity, it's sneaky. Um, we had yeah. our house tested recently. We've got something growing. It's not off the charts, but there's so many things. It can bring on early menopause. Like that's how mm-hmm. bad it can be. Um joint pain, all these things. I'm kind of going, Oh, like I've had low grade inflammation for a while. Never know why I don't eat a lot of inflammatory foods, not enough to like be consistent. So I totally get where like, you're kind of thinking, okay, how does it sneak up on someone that's so healthy? But it's, it's little random things that don't necessarily tie together. Mm -hmm. And 
that's the front, like, that's where I think women need to hear it's, it's, you're not crazy, number one. And two, it may seem like these, all these little individual things, but they can all can be tied back to one singular mm-hmm. thing. And mold, I think is something that's super common, especially in places where it's very humid, where we, like, where mm-hmm. I live, um, the gentleman that tested our house said, if you're above 60% in humidity, um, in the summertime, it's just, it's hard for you not to have mold, honestly, because it's just, that's the environment. I was going to say, I will add, because I was in Colorado and Colorado is very dry. That's true. It's true. a, it's a dry mountainous desert essentially Yeah, um, yeah. for where I was. And so I was like, oh, you don't have mold there. Right. But I had a bunch of different house mold, car mold tested for, and they're like, oh no, we see it all the time. And it's not even just the climate that you're in anymore. Obviously, places like Florida, where it's can be humid as all get out, is more yeah, prone. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of the building materials that we use. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of um, all of, like having windows, doors, everything closed in. So there's a lot of different factors that can come into weird mold festers. The other piece, though, is I'm just for women if they're looking where it may come in. Is I'm pretty sure mine came when I was a kid in my childhood home and then something exacerbated it when I was an adult. It wasn't, Oh, I lived in this one house in the two years prior and that created all of it. There can be other things along your journey. It can sit dormant for a bit as well. And so, cause people like, Oh, you know, I haven't been exposed to mold in the last five years. It's like, no, there's, there's other factors and things that can impact it too. So I wanted to add that in. Yeah. And what I also learned too, is that it builds, it's a building process. Mm-hmm. It's not like you get it and you can just let it, it can go away. It's, it's, it builds up in the system. And then that's when that buildup finally hits a threshold and says, okay, now we're, we're going to flare and we're going to show you symptoms. It's not just, oh, this happened two weeks ago. Now you've got mold toxicity. It's a, it's a building process. Like you said, like you maybe expose this when you're young and it's something that all of a sudden sends you over the top. Yes. And some people, there's a genetic predisposition if you're sensitive to it or not. So Mm, some people may be able to be in mold and they're actually fine. And others, I, I can now walk into a house and I can go, nope, there's mold. I can sense it in my body. I can smell it. My husband's like, what are you talking about? Like, nope. Um, you become so attuned to it. And so there's also a genetic, um, from my understanding, there's a genetic piece to it too. Got it. Interesting. So what was your protocol to get rid of? So let me ask you the, like the next piece. So you've got this all figured out. What was your protocol to get rid of the mold in your body and how long did it take? Um, I'll tell you what I did. And then there's probably things I would do differently now, mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. protocol I was given, um, I was having a bunch of reactions to histamine. So foods that had histamine, um, everything from avocados to bananas. So they put me on a low histamine diet that was probably the hardest diet, quote unquote, I have ever done in my life. Like you, I won't go into all the details. You have to cook meat that's frozen, directly cook it. You can't thaw it out. You can't buy meat in the counter at the, at the grocery store. Like it was, it was a bit intense. I'm not sure if that's necessary, but I did that for about three months to lower that inflammatory response and the histamine response that was happening in my body. And during that time, it was a protocol. It's by Quicksilver, um, the supplement company, medical supplement company. Um, and what it had was it was a liver support. It had a high dose of glutathione. Um, it had a specific charcoal blend that binds with mold to get it out of the body. Um, and then some other nutrient supports. And so I did that for, let's see, 
I want to say about three and a half, four months, but I had to go slow because when I started it, it was too intense and too much of a detox response, um, that I had to do like half for like the first two months. Um, it was intense. It was, to be honest, it was, it was not fun. It was hard. My brain felt really fuzzy and it was just the hope because I didn't know it was the hope of, I hope this works and gets results, but it was a lot, a lot to go through. And I would say at the end of those four months, I retested and I had like a tiny, tiny bit left in my body. And so I continued, I think for another month after that. And then I was, I was good to go. And now I can tell the difference night and day. Um, but the process of it, it was, it was a lot. I also have an infrared sauna. Um, and so having a sauna, cause the sweating, um, if you're not able to do this protocol or you go to a functional med doctor, the sweating piece, whether it's outside or in an infrared sauna, it can be amazing for detoxing mold. That's one of the best ways to get it out of the body is to sweat it out. Um, so yeah, but the impacts of that, I mean, it, it massively changed my hormones. So then it's like, once you get it out of your body, then it's giving your body the nutrients that it needs to start to rebalance your hormones and give it what it needs. And they actually gave me hormones while I was doing it. Um, and looking back, I probably wouldn't have done that. I would have removed what the irritant was and allowed my, and give my body what it needs to then start creating it itself. Sure. And then how long before you got pregnant after all that? After all that. So I, <laughs> I ended, I think that in like April or May. Mm-hmm. And they still said like, oh, you need to work on your gut and do all these different stuff. And by this point, I was just like, I'm kind of done. Like there was something yeah. in me that was like, I I think functional medicine can be good in naturopaths, but honestly, I think a lot of times also what they do is they just give a more natural band-aid yeah. solution of a supplement to fix something yeah. versus that. And so I kind of was like, I'm going to kind of do my own thing. And so I focused on really nutrient dense foods. I added, I was before, but even upped it raw liver. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of the things they say not to do. I was adding in dairy. I was, I was doing a lot of different things. And I was like, nope. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I was playing tennis every day. I was outside in the sunshine and I was doing coffee enemas. And that was June and July. And then I was pregnant in August. Oh, Wow. And so I, I kind of bucked how... the system in, in yeah. that regard and did what they yeah. told me not to do, but I did follow the and... protocol for mold. <laughs> yeah. Most of it. Well, the thing I think I know about you the most is that you are very big. And this is obviously part of magic makers too, is you're very big on intuition and using your intuition. It's a huge piece of that whole program. I just want to tap into intuition and how big a part that's played in your life and how you developed your intuition. Like where did this listening to yourself start? Okay. I love this question because I feel like if, if we could learn it and harness it from such a young age, Mm -hmm. so much would be different for everybody. Um, I think with what I referenced before of kind of the benign neglect with my mom, um, and and I love her, that it's not a a dig on her at all. It's, it not, there wasn't anything suffocating the intuition when I was younger. There wasn't anything stopping it. And so I think it was like, Ooh, I like that. I'm going to go do it. And that's an intuitive piece of when something lights you up and you listen to it and you don't come up with all these reasons to not do it or why you shouldn't do it. That's an intuitive hit. It's not, 
it's not this voice that comes in your head that's like gives you this answer necessarily. It's a, ooh, that, or ooh, contracting, ooh, that's not for me. Or I do the contraction or the expansive of like, that feels light, expansive going that direction. And so I think some of that naturally wasn't squandered when I was younger. Um, but I massively retapped into it, I'd say in the last five years because of business when I first started, I followed the blueprint and I was successful with it, but it wasn't as fulfilling. And that's when I was like, okay, I, it feels like an obligation in some ways. How can I do this differently? And that's when I started to, I do an exercise in magic makers where I teach you how to write to your intuition. And I was like, wait, what, what truth is actually coming back to me when I actually quiet and listen to it? And so that's one way I tap into it of, I, I write to my intuition, but it's also just removing the noise to be able to hear my own mental and body responses to things to be able to be like, mm, and then building the trust. Cause it takes a little bit. If we haven't listened to it for so long, it doesn't feel safe to listen to it. Right. And so it's building that, that trust of like, I'm going to try it a little bit. Maybe it's as simple as like, I'm actually going to get baby's breath for my flower bouquet instead of this flower, even though this is the popular one on Instagram, like all these different bullshit things we come up with in our head of like, but yeah, but this one's calling to me. And we start to build that muscle. And then it gets to the point where, where I'm at now with business ideas and kind of I'm mapping out where I'm going. It's, well, that feels kind of fun. And it goes from idea to action. And that bullshit dialogue in between is no longer there. And so that for the health wise piece, it was, oh no, you need to do this. And it's the, mm, no, that doesn't feel right. I'm going to try this and I might be wrong and that's okay, but I'm going to try it. And that's building that muscle, but just the trust and the courage to, to do it. Yeah. So you mentioned journaling, um, writing to intuition. What are some other daily things that you do that are just part of your everyday ritual that help you tap into not only just your intuition, but your living by design. What are your go-to tools that you do every day that you can kind of give us a glimpse of what that, how that harnesses and, and helps you grow and build those muscles of designing your life, intuition, all those things. Okay. Um, I'm going to say like the basic ones that everybody says out there, like breathing, breath work, nature, gratitude. Like we hear these all the flipping time, right? They do work, <laughs> but it's, it's what do we need to do to actually follow through with those? And so those, yes, go do those. I'm not downplaying those. I use all of them, but I would say the two that have probably helped me the m- there's probably more, but two that are coming to top of mind that have helped me the most. Um, one thing I do is you've heard me drill it in. I do it in every program, but I call it the Sunday setup. And it's, there's a quote, I'll butcher this one too. Um, it's Abe Lincoln quote. He's like, if you give me six hours to chop down a tree, I'll spend the first five sharpening my ax. And I apply that on Sundays. I'm like, if I can take an hour and I can ask questions that help me to make better choices and to feel more supported and live the life I want to live during the week and set it up and design it that way, then all those things of whether it's breathing, meditation, nature, gratitude, all those things can actually happen. And so it's like the, the precursor that allows it to happen that has helped me to actually do those. Um, so I'd say that. And then the second piece, and this taps into intuition, but especially living by design, it's challenging 
thoughts that come up or limit that limit or contain you or keep you kind of just monotony of doing the same thing. And it's like, I, I do it kind of cheekily now because I've, I've done it enough, but it's like, really girl? Like, okay. But if you didn't have to do it that way, like, how would you do it? Like, what do you really want? Like get curious, get playful, get cheeky with it and question so much of that. And when you start questioning it and you make it playful and not so serious, you're like, but what if I did it this way? I don't have to do it that way. What are the other options? And that opens everything because you've no longer said I have to do it this way. And you, you have hope as well because it's not contained. I want to close out. I I, thank you so much for being here. The one thing I want to to ask before we go is I ask, I'm asking everybody at the end of the conversation is what is one thing right now that is helping you feel odd? And again, that's awake, well, and empowered. Awake, well, and empowered. I was going to cheekily say coffee, but I'm not even drinking coffee because <laughs> I have a newborn. Um, yes. Honestly, for me, when life gets there's a lot going on or it feels hard to get grounded. What I start with is having a direct sensory experience with my life. And that allows mm. me to feel awake. It allows me to be in awe. It allows me to feel empowered because I feel grounded. And I think yep. the biggest pieces right now, it sounds so simple, but I have fresh flowers. I mm, have mm -hmm. a good face oil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Adding beauty around me. And we've been going, we call it family walks, but like family walks every night. And it doesn't have to be this extravagant thing, but it allows me to be in that state of odd of how you're describing it and how you define it. And, yeah. um, yeah. And just so romanticizing the phase of life I'm in right now and relishing it and gushing about mm -hmm. it out loud and to other people. So I'd I say those it. two things I love are it. just magical. That's it. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Well, Katie, again, I'm I'm so grateful for you. You came in my life when I needed you. I just, I could cry thinking about how my life has changed because of you. Um, I love you. I love you too. You helped make this happen. So you're a big part of this. And I appreciate every every second I get a chance to talk to you. Wow. Didn't expect that, but I'm just, I'm so grateful for you. And I love hearing about your life. I love hearing all the great things that are going on for you and just wish you the nothing but the best. It's been, it's been such a joy getting to watch your journey and mm. people all the time will say thank you and things like that, but it's not, I provided tools and a path that all it, like it awakened with awakened, but awakened mm -hmm. within you, what was just ready to come out. Like it's all you, it's God given desires, your talents, your, the way you look at the world, the beauty, the joy. Like it's, it's like, I just, I saw that in you from mm. so long ago and to see you put it out now in this amazing podcast with beautiful people. And this ripple effect now goes so much farther. Like, I just have like a permagrin because I'm like, you did it girl. And I can't wait to see what's next and the lives that you impact from it because it will be profound. And that's the purpose of what you're also called to do. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank you, sweetheart. I couldn't have done this without you. I mean, I may have, but it would have been a lot longer down the road. Let's put it that way. So you helped kickstart it for me and, and get me going. So 
All right, everybody, um, get on her newsletter list. Um, when she does send a newsletter, you'll be the first to know there of what she's got coming up. So again, love you. Thank you so much for being here and um, we'll talk soon. Love you, friend. Thank you again for being here. I am so grateful for your time. And if you liked what you heard, please head to where you listen to podcasts, rate and review so we can be found by other people. Please share on Instagram, your social media channels, wherever else you go so we can reach as many people as possible so they can meet these amazing women and hear these conversations. If you'd like to connect further, you can find me over at my website at halliesawyer.com or on Instagram. I'm usually going to be at uh, Hallie underscore Sawyer or The Odd Life, which is this podcast specific Instagram account. All right. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you soon.